What is good, everyone? This is your host, Deanna Kempel with Label Free Podcast. Live your best life. You must live label free. Super pumped. We have a guest joining us from Vancouver or, or from Calgary, wherever. He's right there in the middle up there in Canada. He is a health, mental health advocate, inspirational speaker, and professional coach. Please welcome Justin Bryan. Justin, thank you so much for being here today. We finally made this happen. You have quite the story. Can you please introduce yourself and tell the audience a little bit about your background? Hey, well... First of all, thank you for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure to be on your show. And I like it how it's called label free because I labeled myself for so long as a failure, as a loser, you know, as hopeless, as helpless. And that really took a, you know, gave me a beating and yeah. you know, it turned my internal dialogue into something that was breaking me from the inside out. So growing up, uh, I had very low self-esteem, low self-worth, low self-confidence, but to be honest, I really didn't have, I shouldn't have been that way. You know, I had people that liked me, you know, and I was athletic and, you know, I got good grades unfortunately, and I, you know, and I didn't even have to try for them, which I, I really regret looking back on now, like how, how lazy I was and I, how, where I could have been, but shoulda, coulda, woulda, I'm here now and I'm making a difference, but I really compared myself to other people. You know, I was, I was smaller than other people. I wasn't as strong and stuff like that. So I always wanted, my friends were always ahead of me and kind of athletics and, you know, I always wanted to be other people. Um, you know, I wanted to be bigger, stronger, faster. And you know what, that carried over into my adult life to, you know, in high school, I didn't really drink much. Um, but as soon as I moved away, I, I started hitting the bottle and from, the time I started hitting the bottle, I realized that, you know, it gave me that false confidence. It made me into that funny person. Well, I thought anyways, yeah. made me that person who I thought people were going to like. And I'm like, okay, well, if I don't feel good, I'm just going to have this, this drink. Well, I didn't know that at the time, but I was quickly became an alcoholic. Like I went from zero to a hundred very quickly to where I kind of started to rely on alcohol. Um, at 21 years old, I moved downtown Vancouver to start bartending. And that's when I pretty much started drinking every single night to where it would take me about 15 minutes to close the bar. Uh, I'd go out for power, half hour, power hour, whatever I could get out for and drink as much as I could. And I'd go out by myself. I mean, I'd meet up with all the the small group of bartenders and stuff because y'all knew everybody downtown and then I'd go home and I would drink as much as I could. As soon as I got home too, I'd order a bottle and I'd just keep drinking. Um, but then at 24, I like to I like to say I graduated. I graduated into drug use. Oh. So 24 years old, I did cocaine for the first time. And, you know, I blacked out that night. But my buddy said to me the worst things he could have said to me where other people would take it as a compliment. So he said to me, he's like, man, you were funny last night. So for me, that triggered me. I'm like, yeah. okay, when I feel down, I can have alcohol. Right. When I need confidence, I can have alcohol. Now... When I want to talk or be funny, I have cocaine now. Yeah. Now I have uh, two coping mechanisms. I can put them together and then become super Justin. When what <laughs> I was really doing was putting me on that downward spiral. Yeah, digging that hole even deeper. Yeah, it was it was unfortunate. And you know, at 24, as a bar, another bartender approached me and said, "Hey, man, do you do you think you drink too much?" Because it would take them about 30 to 40 minutes to close the bar and get out where it took me 15. So the manager would be like, well, why can't you do that? Well, the bartenders knew Justin, he could do that because I needed to get that drink. Yeah. I, mean, I craved that drink and I had to get out. 
So I, that night I did the exact same thing, went out, or closed the bar, went out. And on my walk home, though, this time, I started to ask myself, hey, do you drink too much? And then I said, nope. I'm 24 years old. I'm living in this big, beautiful city. Yeah. Um, there's no way. I just like to have fun. Then I asked myself again, do you think you're an alcoholic? And I said, no way. I am too smart to be an alcoholic. Uh, alcoholism is for low lives. It's for people that are not normal. And I'm normal. I pay my bills. I go to work. Although I know that alcoholism was one of my biggest problems. And I'd certain, and then I'd become um, reliant on cocaine use as well. Yeah. Fast forward about six, seven months, I moved back home. started managing at a nightclub. And, you know, a topic of de- depression came up when I was talking with my friends. And I straight up looked at him and I'm like, you know what? Depression is an excuse it's for the week. You got to man up. You got to go to work. You know, you got to push those ceilings down and pay your bills. And I don't know why I said it, but I do know why I said it. Because I didn't look at myself as a man. I thought I was weak. You know, I thought I was know a failure and my self-worth was so low that I was trying to impress him by saying these comments yeah so at 24 I'm correlating alcoholism with being not normal and I'm too smart and then depression with being weak and being excuse so what what are my two biggest problems addiction and depression and I didn't know that so at 24 I did that and then I started my download spiral from there so what was, well, I guess I have a couple of questions for you, which, you know, obviously is going to help anybody that's listening that might be battling something similar or have gone through it and, or know someone that has going through something. And, um, do you, so do you know where your depression stemmed from? Is it something that happened when you're in your childhood? I mean, I, I know you said that you felt like less than a man. Um, is that how you felt always as you were going, growing up? Yeah, hundred percent, you know. I always looked at other people and they, I wish I could be like them. I wish I was as fast or as smart or as when I, you know, as funny when, you know what I was like all those things, but I didn't think I was good enough. And no one, when I got out on my own, I always, I still, I just wanted to be other people. I wanted to emulate other people, be like them when, you know, people actually liked me for me, but I didn't like me. And so I had to change. Yeah. So when I got drugs and alcohol, it, it made me to the person I thought I liked when really people are like kind of getting finally turned off because I'd become such an alcoholic. Yeah. You know what? I was, I was good in the beginning, but then I drink too much and I would black out and then, you know, it was no fun that way. Right. Yeah. That is, that is no fun. That's not a good way to be. Um, I mean, I, I've had my own similar, I mean, I, I partied a lot too. When I was in my twenties, my early twenties, I played around with drugs and definitely alcohol and, and all that. Um, never to the point where I consider myself an addict, but I didn't know there were times when I was using it to, um, self-soothe, you know, self-medicate. Um, and then it's just like, to me, that it just wasn't fun when it stopped being fun. I'm like, okay, I'm done with this. <laughs> you know, like, I don't want to do this anymore because it's not helping me. It's just making the problem worse. So, you know, you have to like, start looking at yourself and saying, Hey, you know, like what you have to start dealing with your problems. Cause you can only do that for so long before you just spiral out of control. Um, so what was your like aha moment? I mean, did you have anyone that came to you and, um, did like an intervention or did you do it yourself? Well, you know, it, it took me a very long time to admit that I had a problem. Yeah. Um, 
at, tw at 24, I kept moving around to different cities and I kept getting let go of jobs because I was an alcoholic. And yeah. finally at 28, I moved back home and I said, okay, I, I think I need some help. And so I finally admitted it. And I have my three A's is what I call admit the problem, whatever it is. And you got to accept it. Like you got to accept this is a truth for me and I got to get better. What do I got to do? Well, I got to ask for help. So I admitted the problem and I started seeing counseling around at 28. Uh, I finally got diagnosed with clinical depression, uh, which is a depression that lasts every single day. Depression is something that lasts more than two weeks, but I, I had it every single day, sometimes all day. And it was, it was brutal. It was a, I started to become suicidal. Um, I was also diagnosed with um, ADHD, social and journal anxiety. You know, I had suffered from a couple of concussions and, you know, you mix concussions with, you know, mental illness, with drugs and alcohol. It's just, it's just like a, it's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, for sure. At that time I was dating a girl, but we ended up breaking up and, and I moved back in with my parents and then she came down on my birthday because we kept, we kept in touch. She's one of the best people I've ever met in my entire life, the biggest heart. And we hooked up on my birthday. Now we didn't, we kept in touch kind of thing after that. But then three months later, she came and she's like, Hey, I'm pregnant. And I was like, Holy cow. Okay. Well, so we got back together, Yeah. but it didn't change my ways. I kept doing what I always did. And she was very patient with me and finally ended up crashing a car. And I'm like, okay, I need help. Oh, no. I have to get out. I, I was fine. Um, I have to, I have to get help for this. Yeah. So I was like, I need to go to rehab. So I went to rehab. I had a kid. She was seven months pregnant and I'm like, okay, I got to do this before the kid comes. So I went to rehab, but I went with the wrong mindset. So I went to get out of town. You know, I wanted to get better, but did I really invest that? So it, the thing came is, so I wasn't really accepting that I needed help. Right. I knew I needed it, but I wasn't really accepting it. So I went to rehab and, you know, I worked out twice a day. I ate six times a day. I went to all my classes, but you know, when I got out, my uncle picked me up and the first thing I said to him was like, you know, I'm not done drinking forever. I'm like, well, what was the point of rehab then? You know, when you're in rehab, there's chances that you should not drink. Right. Yeah. Um, I will never say can't. <laughs> I shouldn't though. It just doesn't align with me. Right. Yeah. So my kid was born and you know, it, it wasn't a special because I didn't, I wanted him, but I didn't. I was scared that he'd turn out to be like me. Yeah. That I wouldn't be good enough that, you know, he may become an alcoholic. He may be depressed and that I just, I'm not, not good enough to have him in my life. And then I ended up starting going on a downhill spiral again to where six months into his life, his mom had to make the tough choice to, you know, pick up and leave, you know, and that hurt. That hurt me a lot. And here I am at my darkest time. You know, I don't blame her for a second. I mean, yeah. I wasn't a good environment to be around. I black out, wasn't violent or anything like that. I just, I wouldn't remember any every night. And I wasn't drinking every night like I did in Vancouver, but I go on binges because I just, I, I honestly, I black out and I couldn't control it. It was the weirdest thing. Like if I could remember the night, I wouldn't drink the next day almost. So it's like when I blacked out, I'm coherent, but I'm not there. Right. So, I, um, so she had to make a tough call to leave and, you know, I went on a leave of absence from work and I started to become very, very suicidal to so the point where I became an organ donor, got milk thistle from my liver and kidney flush because I was preparing my body to die. Like I was preparing to give it away and I wanted to make it as healthy as I could. I mean, I remember one time I, 
I woke up, I got drunk the night before and I remember that I was not feeling the greatest and that I was thinking this was the end. I woke up, I had a knife in my bed and blood on my sheets and stuck on my wrists and they were cut. And I'm like, Oh my God. Oh my God. I'm very lucky. I am very lucky that I didn't go deep enough for whatever. Um, I know it's pretty in depth, but uh, very that's lucky. Your, that's your truth. I mean, this is part of your journey, you know, it's not, that wasn't your destination that night. You know, you had, but God had bigger plans for you. If you, whatever you're, you believe in, you know, th- there's other plans for you. Yeah. And so, you know, I only got to see my kid a handful, like a couple times a week in the beginning was only for four hours. And the one time it, when he was three, um, his mom dropped him off and that day I just couldn't keep my thoughts together. You know, I was I was sad. I was angry. I was confused. I was frustrated. I was lonely angry and what does the two-year-old want to do or three he wants to play with daddy because he never gets to see me yeah and we've always been buddies like it's i feel yeah we're, we're we're little homies now um but i couldn't keep it together so i grabbed him i picked him up and i took him to the store and i got him some candy and some chips and we got home i put him in front of the tv put a movie on and i gave him that bag of candy and that bag of chips then i went behind him and i started staring at the back of his head and you know he was distracted and I started crying and I started to think, am I going to make it? Like, am I going to make it to see him score his first goal, teach him how to ride a bike, you know, uh, see him graduate or even get married? And the answer was no, I could not see myself in his future. And it really started to become evident that he deserved a better father than me when I ended up in the hospital for the third time with alcohol poisoning. Oh, wow. Second time in two weeks. Um, so I was in the hospital. I had to get my stepdad taken there because my hands were going numb and I just p- couldn't keep water down. And you know, when you're at that point where you can't keep water down, like the safest thing to do, like for me was actually just slow down my drinking, not go complete cold Turkey because right. you die that way. Um, so I'm here, I am laying in the hospital bed. I'm white, like I'm pasty, I'm pale, I'm sweating, and I have IVs in my arm and my ex brings my kid. And I'll never forget this. He looked at me, looked at her, looked at me again, looked at her and said, mommy, what's wrong with daddy? I'm like, oh, you know what this kid's better off without me he deserves a dad that's going to be there for him who's going to raise him who who's going to teach him how to ride a bike teach him the ways of life and you yeah. know what if i end this my parents they'll understand they'll get over it they'll see that their kid you know he's not suffering anymore uh my ex she's smart beautiful intelligent biggest heart i've ever met she'll find a man for him and that's that'll raise him right and for as for him he's three years old he's not going to remember me so then I started to think, you know, let's get better off without me. And when you get in that mindset, you really think the world's better off without you. And when you don't see any end or hope in sight, it's, it almost seems like the only option when what suicide is, it's, it's a long-term solution to a short-term problem. I mean, my, my short-term problem was, geez, almost my whole life, yeah. but, but you can get out of it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And you know, it all started to turn around for me when I started listening to motivational speaking with who I, I had no idea where they were at the time, but I definitely know who they are now. It's like Eric Thomas, Inky Johnson, Trent Shelton, and Les Brown. Now these are some of the biggest motivational speakers in the world. Yeah. But I'm listening to these guys and they have, they, they have something in common. They keep talking about finding your why, finding your why, like, what is that? Yeah. So I started to ask myself, okay, Justin, well, what is your why? What's your why to you know, keep you inspired, keep you motivated to get better. And so I started to look at that little kid this time and I'm like, 
okay, what if I made him my why? You know what? I know I'm a good person. I know I'm capable of a lot. Right. So what if I got better for him? If I get better for him, I get better for me. Now, a lot of people are going to say, you got to do it for yourself. Yes, you do. But if you can't, you find a reason. Right. And by me finding that reason, it's for me, right? Because I'm getting better for him, which is better for me. So if I can get better for him, I get better for me. If I get better for me, I can help other people. So what did I do? I put it, the bottle down, stopped doing the drugs, and I went to rehab again. But the second time I went to rehab, I went with the power of why. Yeah. Instead of quitting drinking, why do I drink? Right. Well, depressed. Well, why am I depressed? Because I have but low self-esteem, low self-worth, low self-confidence. Well, why do I feel like that? Well, because I compared myself to other people and didn't feel good enough. I felt less than, but the biggest thing is I didn't learn how to talk about it. I didn't know that was a problem. I didn't learn how to cope. So then I'm like, well, now I got to figure out the how. So I know the why, what's the how? So in rehab, we learn things on gratitude, you know, mindfulness, positive affirmations, you know, guilt and shame. Like guilt is you are bad shame or no guilt is you did something bad shame is you are bad now when you label yourself as bad you really start to take yourself down right it makes your self-worth even worse but then we learned about the power of acceptance and forgiveness like accepting acceptance and forgiveness is is for you it's not for the other person you don't need to forgive them to their face but you have to accept the situation accept yourself accept your choices, accept responsibility that it actually, what happened happened. Like if someone did something bad to you, you have to accept it because it happened. You right. don't have to like it, but you have to accept it. Then you got to forgive it. Now you don't have to forgive them to their face, but you got to forgive them internally for you. So you can move on because you cannot create your future by living in the past. What is good, everyone? This is your host, Deanna Kempel with Label Free Podcast. Live your best life. You must live label free. Ho, 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 ladies. The holidays came early, not only for you, but for your man here at Manscaped, the leading men's hygiene brand. Manscaped just launched new products that your man will actually use, including their all-new ultra-premium body wash and a two-in-one shampoo and conditioner. Also, this awesome refined cologne. It smells so sexy. My man loves it. I love him wearing it, especially after he's all clean shaven, using the lawnmower 4.0 and trimming those nasty nose hairs and those ear hairs. You know, you know what I'm saying, ladies? It's time to give the man in your life the gift of beautiful skin, hair, and balls this holiday season. Go to manscaped.com and use the code labelfree20 for 20% off and free shipping. That's right, ladies. 20% off and free shipping with the code labelfree20 at manscaped.com. So we had to do that and then I got out and I was feeling great. And I, you know, for the first three months I was, I was doing awesome. Then I hit the pink cloud. Holy cow, this is real. And I had my son and I had to give him to my mom because I felt I, my, those thoughts were racing again and I needed a drink. Cause I, you know what, again, I'm saying is you don't choose addiction. However, you choose to stay in addiction. The hardest part of addiction isn't quitting, but it's living in sobriety. And for me, living a sober life was the hardest thing to do because I used alcohol as a crutch to yeah. have conversations, to talk to girls, to dance, to even play sports. Right? To leave my house, I had to drink, basically. And if I didn't, it, it just, life was hard. So I started drinking again. And finally, on January 4th, 2019, I'm like, okay, this is enough. I'm like, if I don't get help, I'm, I'm not going to make it. Like, I remember telling my doctor, I don't want to die, but I need this pain to end. And if it doesn't end soon, 
I'm not going to make it. Right. So I finally said, mom, you need to take me to the hospital. So on January 4th, 2019, I hospitalized myself with suicidality and alcoholism. And, you know, with my mom in front of me and my dad to my left and the counselor to my right, I finally admitted out loud that I had a plan and that plan was to end it. And, you know, just by saying that, it took 50% of the weight off my shoulders. And that day I turned my history into my future. And then I started to turn my pain into my purpose. And since that day, I've been sober ever since, which is about 28 months or something like that. Now I've over 500 people on mental health and addiction from kids to adults. I've created my own life coaching program, or not life coaching program, personal development program that I help clients go through to, you know, make change in their life. But I've also done two coaching certifications and two motivational speaking courses. And, you know, the best thing is, is that I am back together with the mother of my child. Um, I get to see him every day. I get to see her every day. Uh, we are expecting another one. Um, but the cool, and another cool thing is, is that when it, I got to coach him in hockey, yeah, I didn't think I was going to see him score his first goal. I got to coach him in base. I'm coaching him in baseball. I get to take him to soccer. Um, I'm trying to teach him how to ride a bike, but he's as stubborn as I am. <laughs> and I actually have his first goal. Puck. Oh, I never I thought I'd get to see. Gosh, I'm like starting to cry over here. That is quite the story. Oh my gosh, Justin, that is just amazing. Oh, I don't even know what to say. That was a lot. I mean, how does it feel? I mean, obviously you probably told your story quite a bit. And so does it, does it feel better every time that you, that you talk, speak your truth? Feels more real. So when I'm okay, I just, I kind of, you know, I started getting on podcasts and stuff like that. And, you know, I just, when I was going through it, it felt like a fantasy. Like, yeah, I felt so many times where I felt disconnected from my body. Like I was just watching this brutal movie. Right. Like just watching this poor, pathetic, you know, guy is floating through life. And the sad part was that I actually thought I deserved what I was going through because I knew every time I picked up that drug, every time I picked up that alcohol, it was going to hurt someone. I was going to miss time at work. I was going to miss time with my son. And no kid deserves to go through something like that. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's anybody can father a child, but it, it takes a man to be a dad. Yeah. And I fathered a child in the beginning. Yeah. I wasn't being a dad. Right. And so I knew every time I did that, that so the guilt, the, sh- the shame just poured. Oh, it, in. Yeah. It just makes you think even lower. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. So wow. It's, now that I'm out of it, you know, I don't like, don't get me wrong. I still get sad, depressed. And sometimes I can compare myself or get self-doubt creep in, but you know what? I've learned how to, you know, question those feelings. If I don't like them, push them aside. I've built up a good team of support network, but I, it's, it's more surreal now. Like it's, holy cow, Justin, you were there. Yeah. You didn't deserve that but you're out. So it's really recognizing that the Holy cow and allowing myself to feel that that was real. It happened. Right. Now you're doing good. Yeah. So yeah, fantasy to reality now, but it's turning that fantasy into a reality. Right. That it real or was real. Yeah. The, yeah. Well, and thank, thankfully you did not end your life and that you survived 
your alcoholism because you wouldn't be here to for your your next child that's coming so you know god there's other plans for you it sounds like you have you're definitely living your why by telling your story because it's your story is a very important one to tell because everybody you know anybody that's struggling with something like that you know might have a different type of story but i think that everybody has a similar amount of pain and that's mm-hmm. why they turn to that to to deal and to cope and to self-soothe and all that good stuff so yeah. before we start pardon go ahead no yeah i agree with you you know everyone can have a different story but the pain can almost be the same right yeah right yeah. The, the less than the, the self-doubt the not wanting to be here but there's a not wanting to die but not wanting to be here yeah yeah that's that's <laughs> not a good place to be <laughs> So yeah. glad that you got past it and you are um, you are a beacon of truth and honesty for anybody out there that might be struggling with facing their own truth. So I think the more that you tell your story, it will help a lot of other people. So before we start wrapping things up, where can people find you? Where are your links? All Can you please plug all that? And I'll definitely put all of them in the description of the episode as well. Uh, so you can see me on Instagram at justinbryan19. Uh, I'd love to hear from anybody that listened to this and, you know, they got some of it or if anything resonated them or if they're going to implement some changes into their life, uh, www.justinbryan.com is my website or just Justin Bryan on Facebook. But I'd definitely like to hear from you guys and see what you think. Awesome. Yeah, that is fantastic. And so, like I had said before we say goodbye, you have any last words of wisdom or advice you'd like to leave with the audience? Yeah. You know what? I want everybody to know that you are somebody, somebody, when it doesn't feel like it, you are, there are always people that look up to you and you know what, you may not see light at the end of the tunnel, but what do you do? You keep on walking until you find that light. It took me a lot of years, um, six years of actively trying to quit drinking six years of actively trying to get help with my depression. Now, another realization you have to have is that you're not alone. One out of every 10 people in the world suffer with mental illness. One out of every five will experience it. Now that could be bigger because of the COVID numbers, but right. you are still normal. You're just struggling. And if you know what, if you just get up one day and you just, all you do is get up and you have something to eat, you know, that could be a big win. That's okay. But start somewhere. If you are not feeling like yourself, make a phone call, go for a walk. Yeah. First thing you do is talk about it with somebody you trust. And you know what? If, if somebody reaches out to you, don't try and fix them. Listen to them. Yeah. I love it. Thank you so much for, for sharing. We'd love to have you back anytime. Give us an update on you know everything that's going on with you because you're expecting a new, a new bundle of joy. You guys, this is your host, Deanna Kempel with Label Free Podcast. To live your best life, you must live label free. Please don't forget to subscribe, like, comment, share, follow, all that good stuff. And I'll be back soon with more dynamic guests.